Hello, friends. Welcome to the ATC Double Cut. In today's episode, I am going to talk about a particular blog post that is describing a very interesting playability measurement. And the title of that is one additional chatter or snaking event in every third ball roll. Now, I'm going to get to what exactly that means uh, and explain it over the next few minutes. Um, but I'm going to loop around a little bit and talk about playability measurements in general and also talk about playability measurements in reference to something somebody asked me about soil organic matter and how much organic matter in the soil is too high. And this is something where I think we really have to link the playability measurements to a lot of the other measurements that we make about the environmental conditions, like the soil water content or the temperature or the uh, maybe the soil potassium level or the total organic material in the top two centimeters of the root zone or the soil organic matter on a regular soil nutrient analysis type of test. When measuring these type of things, the result can't really be uh, interpreted. It can't be interpreted completely and in isolation in a proper manner. Now we can we can interpret it in isolation partly and come up with some kind of uh, recommendation based on the result. But when it's in isolation, when the measurement stands alone and it is not coupled or paired or taken together with how the turf grass is actually performing. So that's a performance measurement, how the turf grass is. Perhaps it's a quality rating of a visual assessment of the turf is good enough. The turf is great right now. Or perhaps it's a playability measurement of how the golf ball is rolling across the surface. Or perhaps it's a playability measurement of how a football is bouncing or rolling across the surface. Those type of performance measurements or playability measurements can allow us to now interpret some of the soil tests or the other measurements that we make of the growing environment not in isolation anymore. And now they're coupled to something that we actually care about. Because really, I don't care about how much organic matter there is in the soil. It, What I care about is having good playing conditions. And I don't really care how much potassium there is in the soil. I care about having good playing conditions. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a case for spending a little bit of time to make careful measurements of performance or of playability. So this particular blog post reports on morning and afternoon measurements I made of something called the bobble test during the 2023 KBC Augusta Golf Tournament, which is held in Japan. And I, I 
I think these type of measurements, okay, I'm, I'm talking about something specific that not everybody's going to do, measuring in the morning and measuring in the afternoon, day after day after day during a golf tournament. But I think it's interesting what happened. I think it's interesting what I learned, and I am going to explain what's interesting about it. But I want to also make the case that you might be able to get some value out of similar type of measurements, whether you have a lawn that you just want to rate, is it in good condition? Is it meeting your standard for what you want it to be or not at a particular time? Or if you want to rate other areas of a property, or if you want to rate your sports field, or if you want to rate your golf course or your cricket pitch or whatever, cricket wicket, you can make playability measurements that tell you how you're doing. Okay, now specifically to the bobble test, and there's going to be some more about this uh, because it's, uh, it's proven to be more useful than I ever thought that it would be to me, and I, uh, I expect it will also be useful for you. The bobble test is a visual assessment of how the ball rolls and that's uh, on a golf course putting green. And golfers, when they hit a putt, are also making a visual assessment of how the ball is tracking and rolling and bouncing or not bouncing as it makes its way to the hole. And people will say, well, this is a subjective test. But the fact of the matter is the golfer's assessment of the quality of the roll is also a subjective test and we're making the same test. It's the same thing that the golfers are looking at. And Doug Lind was the lead author on a wonderful article about this, which I will put a link to in the show notes. And what you will find when you read that article is that when he compared some more quantitative ways to assess the dispersion of golf balls and to assess the um, the quality of the ball roll, the research project that he did concluded that the most sensitive and accurate way to do it is with the bobble test. And after me, after me being involved with various ways of measuring this, now, I, I will say I have not used the GS3 ball from the USGA yet, um, and, and that will also make a quantitative measure of this. But the bobble test can be done anywhere in the world. It doesn't take much time at all, and it is kind of fun to do, and it is really fast and easy, and, and you don't need special hardware to do it. You just need a stint meter, and you need golf balls. So uh, I, I, I'm kind of partial to the bobble test, but there's various ways that, that you can do it. The bobble test is my favorite way to do this at the moment to assess the quality of the ball roll. I started doing this uh, at the KBC Augusta Golf Tournament not until 2022. So the 2023 tournament was the second year that I've, I've done it here. And I wanted to look at how the quality of the ball roll differed from the morning measurement to the afternoon measurement. The morning measurement I make after the greens are mown and rolled 
During the tournament week this year, the greens got a double cut every morning and then a roll with a lightweight roller, a Toro brand lightweight roller. I made a measurement of green speed and the bobble test after that work had been completed prior to the first golfers playing. Then the afternoon measurement was made before any afternoon work was done. This year, the greens got a triplex mow in the afternoon and I believe another roll. And so I I went after the final group, made another measurement, but I made sure to get to that green before any work was done in the afternoon. So I have morning measurements and I have afternoon measurements. So um, then let's see a little bit about the bobble test. I've talked about this before, but with the bobble test, you roll the ball down the stint meter ramp. You watch how the ball goes. And the first thing that you're looking for, or, or I find it easiest to conduct the test in this way. The first thing that I'm looking for is does the ball leave the ground? Can I visibly see the ball bounce and leave the ground? That's called a bobble in the terminology of the bobble test. And hopefully we won't ever see the ball leave the ground. But if it hits a pitch mark or hits a spike mark or hits a pebble or, or a, a large grain of sand, uh, it may it may actually leave the ground. So if you visibly see that, the highest score that it could possibly get would be a six because there are certain um, criteria that you need to meet to reach a certain score. So a perfect roll would be a 10. And a ball that bounces around constantly and comes to an abrupt stop would be a one. And that that would kind of be like uh, rolling it down some bumpy, uh, a bumpy concrete sidewalk or something. And and that would not be a, a very good putting surface. Now, the next thing that I look for is where the ball seems to be making some vertical deviations, some some up and down movement, some bouncing, but it's still connected to the ground. Those bounces don't let me see air under the golf ball. I, and, and I don't see that the ball has left the ground. That is called chatter. So first I'm looking for bobble, and that's a simple yes or no. And if it's a yes, I count them, but it's rare on greens that are prepared for a tournament, at least at the type of tournaments that I've been involved with, it's rare that we'd have multiple baubles on a roll. So it's kind of like six is the floor of, of what the score could be. And if there were multiple baubles, I might be looking at a five or a four, but it's I, I just don't, don't measure those type of conditions during tournaments very often. So then, then we start looking after we identify yes or no on the bobble and the counts of the baubles, which is usually going to be zero. Then I start looking for chatter, and now I'm counting how many chatter events were there. Did the ball chatter all the way through the roll, or did it chatter just for a little section here, or did it chatter for multiple sections of the roll? And then after chatter, I'm looking for snaking. Snaking is when the ball moves to the left or to the right in a unexpected way. Not because that's the way the green is breaking. Not because that's the way the grain on the green is moving the ball. 
but like it's like uh it's sort of like if it would hit a footprint and and move to the left or right or hit some unusual grain that's not part of a larger pattern of grain on the grain that you can see but it's suddenly moving along and it it deviates left or right or or if it hits a a pitch mark an old pitch mark or a improperly repaired pitch mark the ball or or it could hit a hit a a grain of sand and instead of bouncing up it could deviate to the left or the right so that is called snaking if there is so so now to the rating scale it's very simple if there is clearly one chatter event then it gets an 8 if it, if there's clearly one snaking event on its own it, i will give it an 8 if there are a couple of uh, chatter events or uh, chatter plus snaking, then the score is seven. And if I'm not sure if I saw it, it, so if I'm absolutely sure that I saw a chatter event or I'm absolutely sure that I saw a snaking event, the score is eight. If I'm unsure, if, if it's basically looks like it was a perfect roll, but I can't be quite sure. I think maybe I saw a chatter or maybe I saw a little bit of snaking. And, and as you do this, you will realize that, that you come to the same conclusion that I do, that, that sometimes you feel like you clearly see it. Sometimes you're not quite sure if you saw it. So in that case, it gets a nine. And then 10 is very easy. With 10, there is absolutely no uncertainty. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that that was a perfect role. The, there, there is no question about whether I saw any snaking or not. It was absolutely missing. There's no question if I saw any type of chatter that it, there was none. The ball just rolled perfectly. And it's quite, um, well, it's, it's, it's rare to, to have a 10. And, and you can have it sometimes. You can have 10 sometimes. But uh, the greens have to be really, really good. And then you have to miss all the pitch marks and stuff. And on busy golf courses, there's various things that get on the green and various amounts of traffic that go. So then the question, I think it was posed by Carl Scamenti. And Carl, I if you're listening to this or watching it, uh, I have some more material coming up about this. I, I haven't had time to get to it, but I recorded some videos um, of... Uh, some afternoon bobble test measurements, and and I I wanted to show what that looked like. Um, so so I do have some material that I'm hoping to make into a nice little video, and to uh, prepare that to answer a question that Carl Scamenti had, which I believe was related to the morning and afternoon measurements and and how much difference there was. And I made a chart to show this. And I originally put it up on uh, Pace Turf. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But on this uh, chart that that has a title of Average Bobble Test, I show in blue color. I showed what the average bobble test score was every morning during the tournament week, and I I actually started from Saturday afternoon prior to the tournament all the way up to uh, Sunday afternoon of the final round. So it was seven, eight, it was eight and a half days of measurements. In the morning, 
started off on on Sunday morning prior to the tournament week. It was eight point one on average, and it it peaked on Saturday of tournament week at nine point one on average in the morning, and uh, then it was nine on Sunday on the on the final round in the morning. So that that's pretty good. It was always higher in the morning, and every afternoon it was always lower. And this is. This is the average of multiple measurements. So I'm I'm taking this uh, when I'm making the stint meter measurements. And as I roll the ball down the ramp, I also record the bobble test score. And this is representing multiple measurements because I'm making multiple rolls. There are six rolls of the ball to make a stint meter measurement. I do that three times on a green because I'm checking for... Uh, variability within the green. This is this is my research project. It's not exactly what I'm recommending that y'all do, but this is uh, so that's six. That's 18, 18 ball rolls per green. I do this on three greens, so it's a total of fifty-four ball rolls in the morning, fifty-four again in the afternoon, and each one of those rolls gets a bobble test score. So it's a nice average. There's nice consistency here, but. I, I think you you can get this type of information with uh, a lot less roles than I do. I'm doing a research project and I need uh, multiple measurements so that I can do uh, statistic do statistics and check some of the variability, which is really what uh, what statistics is all about. So uh, let's see. Here's the summary, and and I I highlighted what I put in the pace update. Uh, I said that during the 2023 KBC Augusta Golf Tournament at Kea Golf Club in Japan, I measured the bobble test each morning at the same time I measured the green speed before play. I then repeated this measurement at the end of each day's play. The average drop in the bobble test score from morning to afternoon across the eight days during which I made a complete measurement is 0.3. That's equivalent to about one chatter or snaking event in every third ball roll. Now, the way that works out, as I told you, is if we have a single snaking event or a single chatter event that we clearly see, then it gets an eight. If we have two of them, then it gets a seven, right? And then if we have more than two of them, and or that those are combined with a bobble where the ball actually leaves the ground, where the ball actually leaves the ground, then the score that I give will be six or below. So to go from an eight to a seven means we go from one chatter or snaking event to two chatter or snaking events. And if we so the way that it works out, the way that these averages work, for it to go down on average by 0.3 every day means that every third roll, I was getting a additional chatter event or an additional snaking event, which is quite interesting because that also means that for 66.66% of the rolls, or for two out of every three rolls that I made, I was giving the same score that I did in the morning 
before play. Now, these are zoysia greens, and zoysia greens have very stiff leaves, and they're quite an interesting type of, uh, of surface. So uh, it's different than bent grass. I think bent grass or, or poa annua may change a little bit more because the leaves are softer. And I also checked this at the 2022 Catalonia Championship. That's at the golf course that's now called the Camudal Resort, formerly, formerly PGA Catalunya. And there, the morning to afternoon drop was about 0.8. So in that case, that was about one more chatter event for every roll or one more snaking event for every roll. So I think on bent grass greens, the drop from morning to afternoon may be a little bit higher. Now, this is something that that I wish I'd been doing for a longer time. I, I really started doing this in 2019, so I'm just about four years into uh, making regular measurements of this. <clears throat> so it, it seems from the, from the limited information I have from measuring this at a couple of tournaments and then uh, a lot of golf courses I've measured this, but I've only measured it just once. I didn't measure morning and afternoon. So uh, the morning and afternoon measurements I have from before play to after play, these are from only three tournaments, two on zoysia greens, one on bent grass greens. And this is something that it seems to me that bent grass may tend to uh, scuff up a little bit more or, or maybe uh, change its uh, chatter and snaking characteristics a little bit more during the day. Than, than zoysia, but that is something for me to check some more. So I noted in the photo of the putting green, I said uh, the smoothness and trueness of ball roll on greens at the 2023 KBC Augusta tournament decreased on average by 0.3 units on the bobble test score or by about 4% from the start of play to the end of each day's play. And I noted in this post that this is uh, something that I originally posted at Pace Turf. And I said that I'd like to remind you that I write there every week and you can see all those updates, plus the weather alerts, climate appraisals, and have access to all the Pace insights and references, all for a US dollar 275 annual subscription. And that reminds me, now is time for an ad read from today's sponsor. Are you a turf enthusiast looking for the latest tips and insights? I'm going to I'm going to go to full screen. I'm going to start over on the ad read, folks. I'm I for the video portion of this, I'm going to show full screen looking into the camera and with my eyes darting sometimes to to what I'm reading. All right, here we go. Are you a turf enthusiast looking for the latest tips and insights to perfect your turf? Look no further. Introducing the Pace Turf Information Service, your go-to source for cutting-edge turf management strategies. Join our community of turf professionals and enthusiasts and gain access to expert advice, research, and data-driven solutions. Whether you're maintaining a golf course, sports field, or your own backyard oasis, we've got you covered. 
Don't miss out. Visit www.paceturf.org today and unlock the secrets to a lush, vibrant lawn. Pace Turf Information Service, your turf, our expertise. Explore now. All right. Thank you, Pace Turf, for sponsoring this episode. Now, um, I, I was talking to a recent subscriber to Pace Turf, and the recent subscriber to Pace Turf, who will remain anonymous, uh, said, I mean, because I was saying, okay, the, a lot of people really like the weather updates. The weather updates are, are site specific. They show your historical weather data. They show the forecast. It calculates the growth potential for you, uh, some other disease risk stuff. And, and it's automatic. You don't have to do anything. You just get updates. And, and I said, a lot of people really like that and find it useful. And I said, but, but my favorite part for many years, I've always used the reference section. And I, and I, I find that so useful, uh, as a, as a pace turf service. And in fact, I think just finding like one of the references to help me solve a problem is easily worth the annual subscription. And then the, all the other stuff comes along free. So this anonymous, a new subscriber said, well, why don't I just Google it? And I, I just kind of laughed and I'm like, okay, so you, you can Google it and not really have any quality control on it, or you can get some of this information. And, and I'm going to show you a little tour here and also describe uh, for those of you who are just uh, listening. Uh, let's see. So I'll click through to the click through to the pace turf website and make sure that that's showing. Yeah. So, um, this, this I'm now showing on the screen, the pace turf website, and I'm showing the, the post that I made over there that has even more information than, than what I put on the ATC website. Uh, and this is, is a post that I, I made on Friday, September 1st, uh, titled Smoothness and Trueness of Putting Greens Before and After Play. It also includes uh, a description of the bobble test and, and some definitions and so on and, and links to additional information. But what I want to show you is the reference section. What I told uh, this anonymous new subscriber, I find so valuable. And if you go across the, the top menu bar, it, it, it has various headings, including uh, weather, highlights, insights, reference. I go to the reference section. And if you go to the reference section, you can find all this text of, of headings of things like, uh, if you look at soils, it, it's got a heading for aeration, another one for black layer management, another one for fertilizer calculations, another one for gypsum, another one for conventional soil test interpretation guidelines, another one for MLSN, another one for phosphorus specifically. It just goes on and on. There is a huge amount of information here in these references. And for many things that I want to check, I, I just go to PaceTurf because this is information that was put together by Dr. Larry Stoll and Dr. Wendy Galerter, who are experts in their fields. And, and it's like, okay, 
for it's obvious to me that this information that's summarized for turfgrass professionals and it's quality controlled is, is going to be better than what I can get from Google and I can trust it a little bit better than Google. So if we go over to algae, so this is in the diseases section, I go over to algae, which is a common problem on warm and cool season turf all over the world. If I click through to algae, I can see that there is now additional links. So if I click on algae, it shows a IPM, that stands for integrated pest management, IPM reference on algae. And then it says uh, some description of what we'll find. Useful knowledge includes predictive models. Who knew there was a predictive model for algae? That might be useful. Uh, monitoring techniques, biological, cultural, and chemical management strategies, Listing, listings of pesticide products, identify those considered to be the safest. Uh, well, this is an IPM reference. So, so this is finding the... Uh, pesticides that are considered to be the safest by the EPA uh, as reduced risk or through a, a caution label. And there are additional references, including one, two, three, three specific videos about algae, yellow spot, the uh, really hideous looking Nostock uh, algae, which I know has been a problem down in New Zealand. Uh, fairly recently, maybe in Australia also. I think I've seen that one actually in Thailand, if I'm not mistaken. And and it's uh, it's ugly and it it uh, yeah, I'm I'm having bad vis visualizations thinking of my poor turf uh, that has has been grown over <laughs> by the Nostock bacteria uh, algae. And then uh, it's got Pace insights on cyanobacteria photos of algae, um, a nice update about preventing moss and algae, so much good information. If we click through on this IPM reference now, it, it's a two-page document, and this is the kind of thing that I really find useful because I may already have my own strategies for dealing with algae, but if I have a persistent problem, if I ever get to the point that I need to Google the problem. If I ever need to go turn to Google to try to find a solution to the problem, then it probably means that my the strategies that I've been using haven't given enough of a result, and I need some help, and I need to make sure that I'm doing everything. And one thing that I find with the Pace Turf references is they tend to be pretty comprehensive and I can use them as a checklist to make sure that I've got, you know, that I'm doing everything possible. And these type of IPM references are so good. So this one about algae, it describes the symptoms. It says the types of plants that are attacked. And then it describes other pests and conditions that cause similar damage, such as high soil salts, uh, traffic damage, heat or drought, stress, localized black layer. You'll often find algae associated uh, with those types of conditions. And the geographic dis distribution is worldwide. And then you can predict this disease with a threat temperature. That's another feature that you get with a Pace Turf subscription. You'll get the threat temperature for your location. That's going to be very similar to a uh, soil temperature at a two inch depth and the disease risks 
at the Pace Turf website are tied in to the threat temperature at your, at your location. So you get all of this with a subscription. And the threat temperature, this predictive model is saying spring and summer, once average air temperature exceeds 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 16 degrees Celsius for five consecutive days. That would be a trigger for a um, active algae growth. And then the, so here's the type of checklist that I think is so useful. Conducive environmental conditions, shade, average temperatures above that threshold, low mowing height, use of organic fertilizers. Maybe that, maybe that wasn't fresh in my mind. So it's, it's nice to be reminded that if I use organic fertilizers, that could increase the uh, algal damage or the, or the spread of algae or the likelihood of having algal damage or algal cover on my turf. Compaction, traffic, poor drainage. And it goes through monitoring techniques, uh, thresholds to look at, and and finally, uh, half a page on management strategies, which includes uh, specific fertilizer recommendations, mowing recommendations, uh, soil salinity management, top dressing recommendations, products not to use, uh, products to use, pesticides to use, and so on. And, and that is only one, what we just looked at, or what I just described, that one IPM reference is one of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. There are 13 links here uh, in the algae section to either information that was uh, developed by PaceTurf and summarized by PaceTurf to provide recommendations to turfgrass professionals, um, or it is uh, it is other high quality information such as uh, a particularly fine slide presentation by Dr. John Kaminsky from Penn State University. Uh, he's got a fine uh, algae management presentation. There's a link to that. And, and that shows some fertilizer issues also and some uh, uh, chemical controls. So it's, it's uh, there, there's just a ton of information at the PaceTurf website. And I, I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. And I often use this type of information as like a as a library for myself or as a as an encyclopedia for myself um, to look up information when I am uh, trying to f to make sure that I've got everything covered. I wrote an article uh, because I often get asked about algae and moss when I'm traveling around and visiting golf courses, uh, whether that's working or whether that is uh, not working and just traveling around and, and visiting for study purposes, one of the common questions that I receive is related to algae and moss and and what are the best ways to control it and and stuff like that. And I recently wrote an article about that for golf course seminar magazine in Japan. And I went to the Pace Turf website and I checked out uh, much of that information on the algae reference page to make sure that I had a checklist that, that I wasn't forgetting anything. A lot of that stuff I, I knew, but I wanted to 
to check and make sure that I had everything covered. And I think if I was a turf grass professional, I would love to have access to that. So that is just one, uh, just one thing on the Pace Turf website that I think is, uh, is really cool. And maybe if some of you are interested, well, even if you're not, because I own Pace Turf now and I'd like to have more subscribers. <laughs> so I'm going to show some of the things that I think are so cool about it and why I think it's well worth it to have a subscription to Pace Turf. So you can, as that advertisement says, join a community of like-minded turfgrass professionals and aficionados from around the world to have uh, access to that expert advice, to uh, weather updates, to a site-specific climate appraisal, all of that stuff. Um, and, and for me, uh, one of my favorites is the uh, reference library there. So that is what I have for today's episode. Uh, thank you all for watching and for listening. And if you are Carl Scamenti and have more questions about the bobble test, maybe you and I can talk about this on uh, on the double cut sometime. I'd be I'm sure you've measured some of these before and after play or before and after uh, spike mark uh, or or foot traffic type of uh, measurements because I know um, a lot of that research has been done at Cornell University with uh, with. Uh, different spikes or soles on 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 shoes used for playing golf. Um, so uh, if you have some information uh, that, that maybe you and I could talk about, then uh, maybe we'll do that. And for everybody else, <laughs> thank you for watching and for listening. I will sign off now for ATC from Ishigaki. I am Michael Woods. Bye-bye.